You're listening to Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract, the official podcast of the Journal of Addiction Medicine. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract is produced for your enjoyment and is focused on the latest journal-published research and science in the field of addiction medicine. Remember to add us to your favorites in iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at ASAMorg and Facebook. Now, let's go beyond the abstract. Welcome to Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract. I'm your host, Dr. Sean McNeil, Digital Content Editor for the Journal of Addiction Medicine. Today we are joined by Dr. Sarah Bagley, an Assistant Professor at Boston University School of Medicine and Medical Director of the Catalyst Program at Boston Medical Center. Welcome, Dr. Bagley, to the podcast today. I want to start by asking you to introduce yourself just a bit and also to describe your background in addictions. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to be part of the podcast. Um, my, so my name is Sarah Bagley. I'm an assistant professor of medicine and pediatrics at the Boston University School of Medicine and the medical director of the Catalyst Clinic, um, which is a primary care-based program for adolescents and young adults with substance use disorders uh, at Boston Medical Center. Um, I finished, I did training in medicine and pediatrics um, during residency and then did an addiction medicine fellowship at Boston University, Boston Medical Center afterwards. Great. Was there, was there anything specific in your early training that led you into this field of addictions? You know, I think that it was really after college, I spent some time before I went to medical school and I worked with women and children who were homeless and living in a shelter. And I was an overnight staff person there. And it was really there that I first started to see, I think, both the stigma that's associated with addiction um, and also just how uh, vulnerable mothers and children were um, and that they had, because of their addiction, had such a hard time accessing the healthcare system, but also had a really hard time addressing any social determinants of health that were creating barriers to their recovery and sort of living the lives that they really wanted to live. Um, And then when I got to medical school and then during residency too, I started to be exposed to different physicians who were practicing evidence-based treatment and offering treatment for people with uh, substance use and opioid use disorder and started to realize that there is treatment that it works and that people can get their lives back. Um, And then during fellowship, really started to think about, gosh, adolescents and young adults have such high rates of substance use and substance use disorders. And if we could start to intervene and treat earlier, that we could really make a difference in the trajectory um, of those, uh, of those, of those lives. You just mentioned stigma and that seemed to be a central theme of what you wrote in this issue of the journal. And I was hoping that you might describe for us what led you to writing this piece. So I think, you know, we hear a lot about stigma and how words and language matter when we're talking about addiction and people who have substance use disorder. And there's been some really incredible work done in the last couple of years uh, with different suggestions about how we can talk and talking about addiction. Um, and that's and that's really exciting because I think we do know that it's a barrier for care um, for, for people. As we, we started to see adolescents and young adults in our program about a year and a half ago, 
And as part of our treatment for those people who have an opioid use disorder, we will offer medication treatment with buprenorphine, naloxone, or uh, with naltrexone. And we have found that there's a lot of resistance and there are a lot of myths and sort of misconceptions about what it means to treat an adolescent or young adult with medication treatment. And um, that is shared among family members, among treatment providers in the community. Uh, and so, and we've really heard, well, why are you, why are you starting a 17-year-old on buprenorphine? Is it the right thing for someone to be on medication? How long are they going to be on it? Shouldn't we be trying behavioral therapy first? And so, uh, and that was really caused, that was causing barriers in terms of us being able to offer what we felt was the best treatment to our patients. And so, as we started to talk among ourselves and the team and then talking to other providers in the community, realized that this was a common theme and was something that we should write about so that people start to think about how, how can we address the stigma that's actually associated not with just having the disease of an opioid use disorder, but actually around the treatment as well. The statement that you refer to was recently put out by the Substance Use Committee of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Do you feel like this aligns their group even clo- as an even closer ally with addiction professionals in treating these types of patients? Yeah, I think that that, actually, that absolutely is true. And it's a huge shift because I think that those of us who are taking care of adolescents and young adults realize that this really is a pediatric disease and that substance use often is starting in adolescence and in young adulthood. And so we need to be shifting our focus to be thinking about early identification and engagement in treatment. And so having the professional organization for pedi- you know, for pediatricians coming out and saying that this is evidence-based treatment, this is what we should be offering our patients with uh, moderate to severe opioid use disorder is really important. In what you've seen from recent publications, do you feel that the evidence is mounting in in regards to earlier intervention and that that may be what's behind this statement from the Academy of Pediatrics? Yeah, I think that there are, we still have fewer studies than in the adult literature in terms of the evidence uh, to use medications for opioid use disorder. But I think there are, there are some studies and they did a nice job of summarizing the, um, the existing data in, in that policy statement. I think that that coupled with the rising opioid related overdose deaths has really forced about how do we, how are we really being aggressive in offering evidence-based treatment that we know saves lives. And so those two things together, I think, are, um, are, are what led to that. Okay. And I also wanted, well, what I'd like to do is take the rest of the time that we have and maybe talk about how um, what has come out recently might uh, affect practice or how you think it will affect um, how patients are actually treated clinically. Sure. Um, you know, I have I have some thoughts. I think I think first the medic the, the language really does matter, and so these shifts in sort of how we talk about medication for opioid use disorder or for addiction treatment matters. And so, starting you know moving away from language like replacement therapy is really important because I think that when uh, treatment providers in the community or families. Um, or other caregivers here, replacement therapy, that there's this thought that that's what you're doing is replacing one drug 
for another, which is not what we're doing when we're using medications to treat to treat this disease. So I think that's really important. And I think too, though, it's the education is really important, and that when we have encountered resistance around using medication treatment, it's coming from very well-intentioned either parents or caregivers who truly want the best treatment for their child or from other treatment uh, providers in the community or for pe- from people in state agencies like Department of Children and Families. Everyone has the same goals in terms of trying to put together the right treatment plan for an adolescent or young adult. And so it's really up to us to provide the, the education to, to those people about why this is the right, um, or the right treatment. It's part of a larger treatment plan, right? So we would never, we certainly don't offer medication without also offering therapy and other recovery supports or screening for social determinants of health to address um, any any issues that we that we identify that's key, we think, in terms of recovery support for youth, um, but that medication should absolutely be part of it. What transformations do you see happening in the future in terms of what programs we can offer adolescents with these issues? And maybe could you also comment on what your Catalyst program offers? Sure. I, so I really, I'm really hoping that we'll continue to build capacity in the pediatric world. And so that means increasing the number of pediatricians and family docs who are wavered to prescribe buprenorphine in their community settings. And so we have these really robust models for adult, for adult patients of office-based treatment. And I think that w- the next stage is to really expand that model for, uh, for youth. And so that's what, I, that's what I'm hoping. So getting more waiver trading, getting, getting more docs out there trained um, and feeling like they're supported to do this work, I think would be really, would be really exciting. Um, our program, our Catalyst program has, you know, we're team-based. So we have a recovery coach, we have a nurse, we have social workers, and we have links to psychiatry. And we really feel like it's all of our different perspectives based in a primary care setting that really offer our patients uh, a really unique opportunity to work towards their recovery. Um, And so I think, you know, I think that we have to, you know, we haven't yet evaluated our model, but feel that we're seeing certainly anecdotal successes and really excited about um, trying to take what we're doing and, uh, and spread it. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and for your piece that brings more awareness to this topic and to the policy statement. Um, I think it's definitely a positive indicator for the field. Thank you so much. No, thanks. It's just really, it's great to um, to talk about this. I really thank you. This ends today's podcast. Thank you for listening to Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract. All of today's show links can be found in the show notes. Remember, you can preview additional abstracts at journalofaddictionmedicine.com. This program was produced by the American Society of Addiction Medicine.